Space. The final frontier. These are the voyages of four semi-qualified podcasters and legal writers who have chosen for their 60-minute mission to boldly go where several other podcasts have probably already decided to go before. (laughs) (laughs) That's so great. I love it. Oh, that was amazing. Welcome to Fine Laws Don't Judge Me, the show about the law in real life. I'm Laura Temme. I'm joined by Allie Marshall. Hello. (laughs) Your accents get weirder every week, and I really like it. Uh, Who else do we have here? Joe Fawbush. I I need to work on my accents. I'm sorry, guys. I need to bring my accent game up a little bit. You're letting us all down, Joe. And last but certainly not least, Andy Leonati. (laughs) I, sir. Hello. <laughs> so formal. Um, so yeah, we're, we're talking about space today. I'm very excited about it. I'm excited to talk about literally anything but elections in the Supreme Court. <laughs> um, so let's let's dive in. You know, like a month ago, we were like all excited to do <laughs> multiple episodes on the elections. Yeah. And we're already like, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> just shoot, put us on... <laughs> Put us on a rocket and shoot us <laughs> into so space. It's so true. I got burnt out on it so fast. But keep reading Fine Law, folks, for a lot of good election <laughs> Yeah, we are content. still covering it. We're just not happy about it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, how about if you could go to a planet, which planet would it be? Which one would you choose? <laughs> oh, boy. Oh. What is this, a BuzzFeed quiz? Oh, uh, uh, Pluto. <laughs> It's not a planet anymore. I don't care. <laughs> I don't, yeah, that's messed up. You can't mess Pluto around like that. First it's a planet, then it's not, then it is again. I don't care if it's just a hunk of rock. As far as far away as possible. <laughs> mm. Did you uh did you hear that they might have found signs of life on Venus? I did hear that, yeah. I don't I don't really get what all is involved but yeah they say like in the clouds of venus there might be stuff that's some kind of yeah microbes or something i still don't think i'd choose venus though (laughs) i would choose venus but it would well i'd have to have a really nice head globe thing because of all the noxious (laughs) gases i would assume are there but very humid on venus yeah it sounds tropical like a little bit (laughs) you know like the caribbean or something i don't know oh boy (laughs) So discovering signs of life on Venus, these are like signs of like primordial ooze, basically. Yeah, like molecules and stuff. They they basically, they found a gas that may indicate microbes are present. Well, I think that sounds like a job for the UN to start working on some rules (laughs) governing how we... (laughs) How we would interact with our oozy neighbors... This uh, this is a good segue into. I wanted to have a, if you'll allow me, a tiny time traveling lawyer moment. I wanted to talk a little bit about um, Andrew Haley, the f- the world's first space law practitioner. He wrote a book in 1963 called Space Law and Government, and one of the things he talked about was what he called meta law, and it was a system of rules that would apply to our relations with alien intelligence. Mm. Oh wow. 
I know. In 1963. It's wild. <laughs> also, to use the word meta. I know. In the 1960s. This, this guy was way ahead of his time. I have a dumb question. Is this who the comet's named after? No, I don't think okay. so. I think that I think that guy was an astronomer. Okay. A while ago. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's interesting. I wonder what's in there. <laughs> I tried to I tried to get my hands on it, but I didn't want to pay for it. Are we assuming that like alien life forces want to chat with us? I mean, we assume a lot of things by, or is it right. just how we communicate with them? Or I don't know. That's interesting. Yeah, it was the 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 main the main thing that he proposed was sort of a twist on the golden rule, um, where he he said, well, you know, we shouldn't really follow the golden rule with alien intelligence and and do what you know what how does it go again do unto others as you would have them do unto you oh boy you're you're oh somebody was not paying attention in church i'm sorry i'm sorry (laughs) (laughs) you're so right um so he he sort of wanted to flip it because his thought was well you know if we did onto an alien race what we would want done to us that could very well kill them so he wanted to kind of flip it um, and have it be, you know, we would do onto others as they would have you do onto them. Now, how we figure that out, I don't really understand. <laughs> I wasn't able to get my hands on his book, um, but. This guy sounds kind of snarky. It was the 60s, <laughs> man. <laughs> <laughs> it does kind of yeah. seem like, like it's. <laughs> fighting against the man like you know <laughs> so i have a i have a question for andy yeah is is the golden rule for aliens better or worse than the prime directive oh here we I've, go <laughs> i've spent i've spent a little bit amount of time this week actually thinking about starfleet's general order number one um, <laughs> which basically what it is is that no for any of our non-dork listeners out there. That would be me. Uh, <laughs> um, that's fine. That's cool. Is that the uh, established, like, rule number one, most important rule of Starfleet, which was the deep space exploration and defense arm of the United Federation of Planets, which included Earth and its neighbors, uh, which is that they may not interfere with the normal development of any alien life or society. Um, and basically what that means in shorthand is if you come across some like, if you're traveling through the galaxy and you come across some like primitive society where all they're doing is like millet, millin flour or something like that, you can't, <laughs> you can't, you can't give them access to like warp technology or food replication or anything like that because they wouldn't know how to okay. handle it. And, um, you know, you could open a Pandora's box of very uh, bad outcomes. So let me clarify when I was putting mm-hmm. myself in the non dork category, I was specifically referring to Star Trek, which <laughs> I don't know that we referred to, but I, I know like next to nothing about that. That's what I was meaning. So for our listeners, Andy is talking about <laughs> Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> If you watched Star Trek, like, you're supposed to basically give your life before you break the Prime Directive, but throughout mm-hmm. the many 
iterations of Star Trek, um, there have then become uh, many exceptions and many times where maybe you shouldn't break or maybe you should to save lives or... I mean, because, yeah, like Ali said, it's a TV show. So, <laughs> you, mm-hmm. so it would, it would, as like an actual like body of law, it would require a lot more uh, time than uh, what Gene Roddenberry put into creating it. <laughs> <laughs> sure. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of stuff that that space law would have to cover. You know, you've got weapons use and environmental preservation and... All kinds of other stuff, I'm sure. Space junk. And this is all just with Earth. This isn't even like intergalactic. How we inter how how we would interact, yes, with <gasps> other So you could like be a space lawyer and then have a niche practice in intergalactic relations or something. Like you could have a subspecialty. Oh, yeah. Hey, you could be a diplomat mm-hmm. like Ambassador Sarek. Sure. There we go. <laughs> Just had that Spock's locked dad. and loaded. Spock's dad. <laughs> I could have a, oh, I have a really good pun. I All right, could, let's hear it. I could have a Han Solo practice. <laughs> oh, 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 my oh, God. No. Oh. <laughs> That's so terrible. I cannot believe oh you God. just said that. <laughs> oh boy well oh man with yeah. that should we move on to space force yeah maybe we should briefly mention just since this is ostensibly a show about the law that you know outside of star trek there really is space lawyers and there really are things that you can do in space law that don't involve intergalactic relations <laughs> um unfortunately or the prime directive but Someone, someone should be working on this now. <laughs> well, that's why we have the um, the International Institute of Space Law. It's a real thing, and that's part of what they do. The University of Nebraska offers degrees. I mean, I looked this up when we were studying this. So, yeah, go ahead, Laura. Sorry, I oh, why am I finding this out now? I know I would have done it. I told you, like I, it, it said if you have you know a background in international relations or politics. Space law yeah. might be a good fit. And I'm like, dang it. I did not know I could be a yeah, space I lawyer. I would go. Yeah. I want to go to space law school. Yeah. Well, then go. That's the one law school I want to go to now. <laughs> Laura, you, you you have more of the information on this. What what else can you do with this? Yeah. I was just saying that the the there's the International Institute of Space Law, which was founded by Andrew Haley, the lawyer I brought up earlier. And then there's also... The Outer Space Treaty, which is a, a UN framework, I think originally signed by Russia, the UK, and the US. Um, now there's about, there's over a hundred countries that are party to it, but it sort of provides a framework for international space law. Um, it's primarily, primarily about weapons use. From what I've seen, it just prohibits anybody from putting nuclear weapons or weapons of mass destruction into orbit. Um, but there's a couple other things about exploration and things like that. Yeah, I did also want to bring up, um, in addition to the Outer Space Treaty, because there there really are a lot of real legal issues going on, mm-hmm. like uh, resources on celestial bodies, including the moon. Yeah. 
you know, picking up, um, I think Allie mentioned debris that's floating around in space. Like, mm-hmm. what happens if debris from a satellite from the U.S. hits a satellite from China? Like, what, you know, is somebody responsible? Is it just kind of a crapshoot? Um, and I did see uh, briefly something, you know, because NASA is going back to the moon, uh, hopefully by 2024. And they just signed something called the Artemis Accords, which is a treaty with relatively few nations so far. Uh, but but it involves like, you know, cooperation among countries when they do go to the moon and not getting in, in each other's way mm. and uh, just kind of how to how to handle resources when you get there. So are we going to divide the moon like Antarctica, basically? I think there's I'm pretty sure the outer space treaty um, talks about how nobody can like, no one can claim the moon. Yeah. That was in despicable me. You can't do that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to put in a plug here for, for a unified one world government would make it a lot easier for everyone to go to the moon and have a good time. So everyone can be miserable when it's election season. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it seems like a lot of places are. (laughs) I want the new world order on the moon. That's what I want. I mean, we are also, I mean, if we're, I got to look up the exact date here. 45 years away from first contact with the, uh, I'm sorry, 43 years away from first contact with the Vulcans. (laughs) <laughs> I, I, thought you were, I was wondering where you were going with that. <laughs> I mean, oh boy, not to, not to, you know, but like Star Trek has, it gets a little predictive about the kind of arc of like the human race to get to space exploration, and it does involve a, another world war where. Hundreds of millions of people die, uh, and a gr- and a grossly unequal planet, where where inequality runs wild, and only then, when we are at our basically our lowest yet like most advanced to the point, do we finally realize to get our acts together and like start to. But it did take the Vulcans coming to us, so that part might not actually happen. <laughs> So. Well, this this podcast is available widely, and so if the, if the Vulcans oh. are listening, Vulcan, we, we invite oh, you. Please come, take me. <laughs> Isn't there a greeting? Is that the is is that the Nanu Nanu? Is that Mork and Mindy? What's the Vul? Is there a Vulcan greeting? The Vulcan greeting is yeah. It's that the hand thing. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Spock. Right. Because they speak English for some reason. Well, right. Exactly. They have a. Universal Translator, ah. <laughs> which I'm sure someone in Silicon Valley is working on. Well, Google Translation, that's basically what Google Translation is, right? Yeah, except yeah. this is like a thing that like you plant in your head. So when if I'm like talking to yeah. you in French, you hear me in English. Or if I'm speaking to you in Klingon. Do you, do you know Klingon yeah, words? Yeah, I do. Um, <laughs> I, I knew it. I, knew I only it. know a couple. <laughs> Everyone, every like Star Trek fan worth their salt knows, knows Kaplach, which is like the, 
it means like success. You say that when you leave it, when you're like saying goodbye, you kind of like hit your chest and say it. <laughs> and then a little okay. bit, a little bit of uh, Klingon Shakespeare is Tach Bach, Tach Bech, which is to be or not to be. What is happening? What? I, you asked. Oh, that's the best. No, I did. I love it. That this is awesome. my favorite episode ever. <laughs> I didn't know it was going to be so guttural. I didn't know. I've never heard Klingon, so. Oh, yeah. It's a very. It's like, like German. They're they're intergalactic Germans. <laughs> they're, they're, their language sounds very aggressive. They are also very aggressive and think that they should be in charge. And yeah, I mean, yeah. It fits. Is there any protocol for first contact happens? Is it just the responsibility of whatever country the aliens show up in? I think so. I I don't think there's anything official on the books of what we're supposed to do. I'm pretty sure I've heard several times that a lot of people who study UFOs and that kind of thing, like, they they all seem to think that if if any alien race comes here, more than likely they will be more advanced than us and they'll just instantly wipe us out. So <laughs> there is that. Well, yeah, because to discover a, a more primitive species than us, we would have to have the capability to leave and travel there. So, yeah. So if, if anybody comes here, we're screwed. <laughs> Yeah, has anyone yeah, have any of you all seen a arrival? Yes. That yeah. that's pretty much my vision of how it's gonna go. So, you know, actually I think um the the astrophysicists that I listen to, like um the popular ones, like I don't get into the actual <laughs> science behind it. I just hear the like Neil deGrasse Tyson mm-hmm. and Brian Green and stuff. They actually are leaning toward that we're alone. It's not like Star Trek where there's a bunch of aliens out there like us. They're actually more of the opinion that if we were going to have contact with somebody, it would have already happened by now. Hmm. They're kind of the, the prevailing theory is that we don't really need to worry about that so much, which is kind of sad. Yeah. That's kind of depressing. I don't know. It's one of those things. It's like totally out of our control, like an asteroid or meteor coming and destroying. We can't do anything about yeah. it. So I don't know. No, we can't keep bridges fixed. Like there's no way we'll be able to do what they did in Armageddon. <laughs> oh, right. Exactly. You know, there are people working on that problem, though. Like oh, legitimately, I there, there are space lawyers who are out there because, you know, there are some questions like, you know, the best way to do it is to knock it off course. But what happens if the U.S. sends off a nuke to knock it off course and it doesn't work and debris hits another country and mm-hmm. does a bunch of damage? You know, how do you figure out who sends the weapon and how do you figure out what happens to it and how do you agree on a plan and that yeah. kind of thing? Oh, the, U- the U.S. knocks an asteroid off course just enough for it to land in the Soviet Union? Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, exactly, Yeah. <laughs> huh so there there really are legitimate issues like that yeah people are working on which is kind of um good that somebody is thinking about that because that's actually a real possibility Mm -hmm. i doubt that that we'll ever have contact with uh intelligent life but 
you know, asteroids come all the time. Yeah. And uh, that's that's a legitimate thing that people need to work on. So is, you know, colonies on the moon and that kind of thing, because I mm-hmm. think that's coming legitimately in the future, too. Uh, I can't even leave room in my brain to think about the fact that we might be completely alone out there. No, we have to. <laughs> they have to find them. We have to, They have to find us. Whatever. And it has to get and it has to get better. <laughs> <laughs> this is an escapist podcast, so I will 100 percent support you in that, Andy. It, it is almost certainly that the that the Vulcans are coming for us shortly. They are. We're getting very existential. We don't usually go there. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I'm ready to think that deep. The one thing, the one, the very human quality that Star Trek has throughout the series, despite it being like just totally filled with all these levels of dorkiness and whatever is that it does make you very optimistic for the future. And I got to hold on to that. <laughs> you know what makes me optimistic for the future? Those uh, Space Force advertisements. <laughs> that... Great transition. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, that was nice. You should take my job. <laughs> No, you're right. Yeah, I, yeah. We were just before we started recording. We watched one of the ads, and I mean, the, yeah, I I will hand it to them. The production value is very good. <laughs> like they're making Space Force look very cool. <laughs> well, it should be. Yeah, I mean, it is cool. Yeah, we gotta hope it doesn't turn into Starship Troopers. Well, yeah. <laughs> I've always wanted to be a space cadet, you know? Is that what they're called? Please tell me that's what they're that called. That is what they're called. Yeah, they're called space Sweet. cadets, I think. Well, and they totally cribbed their logo from from Starfleet. It does look a lot like it. I did some reading on it just because I was curious, and I, I did a lot of intellectual property stuff when I was in law school. And it's apparently it's based on the logo for the Air Force Space Command um, that was founded in 1982. uh, Apparently, the new Space Force logo is based on that. And then they've got all sorts of other defenses where they're like, well, you know, people have been using the the Delta shape or whatever in space stuff for a long time. So I don't know. But I I get it. It does look almost exactly like... uh, the Star Trek. It's not logo. just similar elements. No, though. I know it is it's not just. It similar is almost elements. exactly the same. Well, you know, it, it's interesting because if they wanted to sell T-shirts, like you know how a lot of people like to wear NASA T-shirts, I don't think Space Force can do that because a they uh, they'd never trademark the name Space Force, and so the Netflix satire comedy show trademarked it first. Yeah, so like if you sell a T-shirt that says Space Force on it, like you could technically be violating, you know, Netflix's right to sell merch, which is hilarious. It's it's so (laughs) funny. I love that Netflix got there first. (laughs) Apparently that's happened before, though. Like there was a show called Jag. uh, Oh, yeah. yeah. And and, uh, they they trademarked Jag (laughs) before the U.S. government did. Oh, my God. Good deep poll there. Jag. I'm that's. That's interesting that you could trademark something that the government was already had in place. Whatever. I'm sure there's a whole episode about that. But sorry, my actual question. Okay. How is Space Force is different than NASA because it's military Right. It's a sixth branch of the military. Is it for fighting aliens? Yes. 
Are we fighting people? That's, the that's what I that's what I read about it was that they're primarily responsible for space warfare, whatever that means. But well, that's that's just terrifying. Yeah, I don't want any part of well, that. Well, but it's it from what I understand, it's kind of just a rebrand of the Air Force Space Command, which was in place from 1982 to 2019, and they were primarily doing uh, like missile warning operations and space launches and that kind of thing. And then, yeah, when when they started Space Force, that just sort of took over Air Force Space Command. And that's why they have the same logo. <laughs> Is this what was going to be behind, like, the GoldenEye satellite or uh, <laughs> Reagan's, Reagan's Star, Star Wars program? <laughs> right. Oh, well, never mind. I'm not nearly as excited about Space Force anymore. I'll, I'll, I'll stick with good old vintage NASA. Yeah, I, I much, I like the, the exploration part of it mm-hmm. is appealing, but, but I would still be a space lawyer. Yeah, space lawyer sounds awesome, because there's so many different areas of law that, that, would sort of get folded into space law. You know, there would be intellectual property issues, administrative law issues, eventually maybe even criminal law. Um, you know, commercial law. The list goes on. Mostly, though, I would like to be a space lawyer because when I go to a cocktail party, it could be like Ali Marshall, space lawyer, and people would want to talk to me. <laughs> oh, it would be the greatest opening in history. Oh, yeah. yeah. I would definitely put that on a business What do you card. do? I'm a space lawyer. Yeah. I'm a space lawyer. Yep. So do you just like get to like watch Star Wars at your job and stuff then? Uh, well and you'd rather you'd rather be a space lawyer than a space cadet right because if you you can't do the same thing as like hi i'm joe i'm a space cadet they'd be like yeah we we know (laughs) (laughs) i knew that about you before (laughs) yeah it like instantly loses all of its luster (laughs) would any of you guys go to space on any of the upcoming tourism flights? No, no I don't think so. I don't even like to fly. 100% <laughs> I would. Yes. Yeah. I don't really like to fly either, but I think I would do. I mean, I wouldn't, I mean, I won't be the first one, obviously. Um, I'll be like, I will, I'll be like passenger 100,000 or something like that. Yeah. I, I think <laughs> I could do it baseline. if I was going to go. In like 15, 20 years, I think I would mm-hmm. do that. But, you know, the, these ones coming up in five to 10 years, I think I'll just wait till they work out the kinks. <laughs> you and Richard, you're not going to go yeah. up there with Richard Branson and no. Lance, ba- Lance Bass. And... <laughs> I bet Lance Bass is a, is a stunning conversationalist, but no. Wasn't that his whole thing? Didn't like Lance Bass want to go to space or something? Oh, probably. I am I dreaming? Th- am I dreaming this? <laughs> no, I, that sounds vaguely familiar. I haven't kept up on my boy band news lately, but I believe that was a thing a few years ago. And to be clear, I want nothing to do with the Elon Musk suicide mission. <laughs> 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 right, right, right. Like I just want to go up in, in orbit for a little bit and then come back down. Uh, yeah, Lance Bass does want to go to space. All right, well, good for him. He continues to want to go to space, and he has retained fluency in Russian. 
in prep hmm. to at some point go to space. Oh, wow. Well, that's something. Uh, yeah, I personally am not interested at this time. I will say there are lots of people I would like to send to space <laughs> <laughs> with unlikely chances of return. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so so when I said I would like to go, Ellie is over there going like, yes! Yeah. No! No, 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 nobody in this yeah. podcast. Send Joe! Like people, send Joe! <laughs> people I don't know, really. <laughs> I also want to give a shout out to Sean, our boss, because I feel like I feel like I feel like he'll really enjoy this episode. And <laughs> And then question so. our ability to maintain the podcast. Yeah, and, like, what are these guys and doing? I think Sean and I think Sean would be totally behind adding uh, area of the site for uh, space law. Space yeah. law. Ooh, there you go. <gasps> we should. It's a great niche. Yeah. It's re- well, you you wrote about a case recently. Um, that had to do with space creatures, right? Nice. Great transition, nice. Laura. <laughs> Thank you. Hey. Uh, that was brilliant. Yes, I do want to talk about my my tardigrade. This post-apocalyptic worm that can survive in the vacuum of space. It, it's tiny. It's an animal. It's not a microbe, but it it's an actual. It's like the smallest animal in the world. And they took it up into space and they put it out in the vacuum. And despite the solar radiation and everything, it does this thing where it like hibernates deeply and it can survive in just about anything for a limited yes. time. Yes. It's it's terrifying visually, Whoa. and it looks like like a terrifying version of the caterpillar from Alice in Wonderland. Like it's <laughs> how many legs does it have? Like a lot, right? They're, yeah, they're like suckers or something. Oh, it's cute. It's cute looking. <laughs> no. Well, yeah, no. it looks like cuddly. <laughs> no. Yeah, it depends on the picture that you sometimes it can look like almost like a teddy bear and then other times you're like, "Oh my god, that thing is next to me." Like, <laughs> yeah. Um yeah. So how did how did this end up in a federal court? Yeah, thank you for steering me uh <laughs> track. <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah, I'll just so, keep trying to derail. Go yeah. ahead. <laughs> <laughs> so no, this this will this gets back to Star Trek, which we can't get Beautiful. away from Star Trek for too long. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so Star Trek had a story arc on its on one of its newer shows, Discovery, which involved a tardigrade like creature that was giant and could survive in space, and it followed the ship around. And at first, it was terrifying, and then it grew into like this big, lovable pet, um, like a tri- like a tribble. Uh, yeah, it was actually. Yeah, that was the article of, or that was the title of my <laughs> blog was uh, "Trouble with Tardigrade." Um, oh, very nice. Yeah, shout out for all all the Star Trek nerds. God, I, I'm, I missed all of that. All right. <laughs> Dorks, Joe, is the proper term. The term nerd has been co-opted by just anybody that likes a comic book or so. The term, like, nerd has, like, lost... It's like, I read books. I'm so nerdy. Uh, so. <laughs> yeah, it is pretty mainstream now. Well, we were nerds before it was cool, yeah. so... <laughs> Which makes us even nerdier. I don't. I don't think I've been cool a day in my life, except maybe by accident. <laughs> yeah. So, 
Yeah, they had CBS was sued over this story arc because lots of people saw this thing and they were like, oh, that would work in outer space and like it can survive in space. So they sued uh, the, the video game developer who also had a similar idea sued. And, and uh, the Second Circuit Court of Appeals was like, yeah, nice try. But a giant space <laughs> creature in a science fiction show is not a copyrightable idea. <laughs> um, and and uh, I'm, I've been working on my French, Andy, so I'm going to call it Senafer. Yeah, Senafer. Oh, yeah. Uh, and it's, uh, you know, just all mm-hmm. these tropes. Like, you know, you can't copyright a... Uh, uh, robbing a stagecoach in a western because that happens in all of them and it's you know mm-hmm. you can't copyright because this is a real life thing that can be can appear in space and making yeah. it a, a giant creature is just a trope in science fiction stories so you can't really copyright it so this guy was out of luck send up a nice R sound like, I can speak Klingon better <laughs> yeah yeah I don't know in, in my copyright class we just butchered it and said scenes affair that yeah that was my first i was gonna say it like that but then i remembered that other episode where i just butchered the french of something and i was like i'll, I'll try it i forget what it was <laughs> this yeah. is my redemption <laughs> this is my moment to shine <laughs> Artificial intelligence continues to reshape America's legal system. One sophisticated AI tool is QuickCheck Judicial, which analyzes multiple filings from a single matter, showing judges what cases you and your opponent did or did not cite. This gives judges greater insight into both sides' arguments. But what if you could gain that same insight using the same tool your judge has? Well, now you can. QuickCheck Judicial is coming later this summer. Be the first to see it. Visit tr.com forward slash quick hyphen check. Thank you for joining us on this intergalactic episode of Fine Laws Don't Judge Me. Check the show notes for related content. And if there's a legal topic you think we should cover, or you just want to tell us how funny we are, please send us an email at podcasts at tr.com. And live long and prosper. How, how many people did we lose just now? Yeah. All of them. <laughs> no, like, not no, not my no, not my parents. It's like the Shatner oh, uh, appearance on SNL. Oh yeah, the Shatner. Yes. Shatner, were like, you also the get a, the the get a life? Yeah. Were you offended by that, or did you find it funny? No, it's awesome. Okay. It's hilarious. Yeah, that was good. So Shatner just kind of <laughs> threw shade on Star Trek fans, like get a life. This was way back in the like late '80s or something. He was hosting SNL, and the sketch was he was doing a press conference as himself at a Star Trek convention. Mm-hmm. Oh, and sure. so all these like mega fans are like asking him questions about Star Trek canon, like when you were on Rigel Seven, did, and he was like. <laughs> And finally, he just kind of like stopped and took a deep breath. And he was like, get a life. (laughs) Like it's a television (laughs) show. It's a television show. (laughs) Anyway, there were a lot of Star Trek fans that were up in arms about it. (laughs) Oh, really? Oh, that's funny. Yeah. It was funny. Mm Mm-hmm.
But anyway, back to the Prime Directive. 